0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. At a time when America is ripping apart at the seams, the reunited states is a powerful and urgent documentary that follows the unsung heroes. On the difficult journey of unbridging our political and racial divides. Susan Bro lost her daughter. When a car drove through a crowd in Charlottesville, and David and Aaron Leverton, a Republican couple who traveled all 50 states in an RV to find out what divides us, are just a few of the characters profiled in this film. The film is called The Reunited States, and we're joined today by the director, Ben Reckie, as well as one of the subjects in the film, and the mother of Heather Heyer, and that would be Susan Brough. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thank you so much for having us. thanks
2: Thanks for having us.
0: You're very welcome. And I thank you for the film. Thank you for the work, not only that you do, Susan, but also uh, many people in the film, including David and Aaron Leverton and others who who are really doing what needs to be done. Uh, and I'm thrilled, by the way, I want to also mention that the executive producers of the film are people that we will know from uh, from their Work and politics, Van Jones and Megan McCain. Megan is the daughter of John McCain, Senator John McCain. Okay. Ben, what inspired you to move forward on this project?
2: After the 2016 election, I think, like a lot of us, I was just trying to navigate this new reality and find how my work might inform, you know, like understanding where we were and help us see each other better. And so I originally did a series for PBS called The Hidden Vote that profiled minorities who support Trump. And it was like, we did an episode with Muslims for Trump and LGBT for Trump. And it was really fascinating to travel around the country and talk to people that, you know, weren't being covered by the news as much and, and, you know, had very complicated reasons for why they arrived at what they did and challenged people's preconceptions about where we were. And it was a way, It helped me realize the power of media to see and hear each other better. Um, You know, it's been used so much to divide us because there's, you know, a lot of money to be made in advertising and clickbait. And, you know, bottom lines for a lot of the the companies that own these these news outlets and also um, social media sites. But it can also be part of what brings us back together. And story has a really important role to play in helping us to see and hear each other and so it was it was actually when i saw susan speak at an event that this idea came to me um and i was really you know moved by the fact that she was able to talk with such uh clarity from the heart about you know these these issues of violent division and and all, and obviously coming from a place of having gone through this this tragedy herself like was was able to speak with a certain amount of experience and became a voice of reason in this time when everyone was shouting. And so I, I I went up to her afterwards and I said, I'd love to talk with you further and, you know, be a part of helping to tell your story in any way possible. And we ended up becoming friends after that. And 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 it's been one of the best journeys that we could have taken together.
0: Well, I want to bring into the conversation Susan Burrow, as I mentioned, the, the mother of Heather Heyer, who I should have said, uh, Heather was uh, tragically killed in the uh, Charlottesville demonstrations in August of 2017 when a car slammed into a group of people who were uh, at this protest of uh, white nationalists uh, who were, I won't get into the whole all of it, but we all remember where, where we were actually. I had to remember exactly where I was when I, when I saw the footage and it just seared into my mind. Um, Susan, what was your were you reluctant to be a part of this? I know you're you are in many ways a reluctant hero, a reluctant activist in this, all of this. But when when yes. Ben, appro- but yes, uh, uh but when Ben approached you uh, about being a part of this project, what was your initial reaction?
1: Well, at that point in time, people approached me all the time, and one, they had to <clears throat> get back in touch with me when they said they would, which most did not. My first thought with him was, okay, we'll see. And the second one, I insisted always that the story not just be about me, but that there had to be a better purpose and other people involved, and he assured me there would be. So speaking to future and or current film people, let me say winning the trust of your subjects is paramount. You don't always have to develop a close bond in the way that Ben and I have, but you do have to be trustworthy, listen to them, and follow through. And Ben definitely did that with me. Yeah. I had no idea where this was going. I just let him follow me around for a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we we see you, and as I mentioned, uh, David and Aaron, and there are others in the film. Uh, and I thought w- one of the strengths of the film is it's a telling of our different perceptions of one another without rancor, without without the sort of the vitriol that we often are subjected to depending on on what news sources we choose and Ben you mentioned this and I I don't want to start getting too far into the weeds here but you you mentioned something that I think is incredibly important and we live in a world now where you mentioned clickbaits and you know how how we get our information now is is we shop for our source of information what information stream, what ecosystem am I going to be a part of that tends to reinforce what I think I already know? And I think that is an incredibly difficult issue to address and to begin to un- unwind in our in the way that we go about gathering information about our politics and about each other. Is that a fair statement?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think it's hard not to uh, be influenced or affected by social media and, and also to pray, pray into it. And, you know, it's triggering our primal instincts to want to lash out and react to each other. And, you know, for anyone who's seen the social dilemma, we know how much computing superpower and genius has gone into the other side of that glass to get us to react and do pull, pull our strings. And so. And even furthermore, I, the big challenge of our time now is this difference of realities that we live in that, you know, we're li- literally absorbing two different sets of facts. And and there's tens of millions of people that don't agree that this was a legitimate election. And that's something that we're going to have to deal with. It's not something that's going away anytime soon. And so and and I don't necessarily when I say that think that the solution is you have to agree with our facts or else we can't even start to talk. Uh, I actually think we're going to have to feel our way through this and that we're going to have to find where our common pain is and why we don't see a shared future together and how we can address that. And and so for me, like when you talk about the film and and what our hopes are for it, it's really that this, it's not so much about people on the left or people on the right, it's whether you're open-hearted or closed-hearted. And that's like a very different way of looking at it, you know, because I think there's those kinds of people exist all across the political spectrum. And, you know, as me, who started further left than I am now, and not necessarily that I've compromised what I believe, but that like, I have started to listen to people that I disagree with. And it's made me a better advocate for what I believe in. And I spend a lot of my time trying to calm down my own side and not not be so cancel and shaming and, and aggressive that is actually like making people run in the other direction. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of bridge building definitions. One is to people we disagree with uh, on the other political side. And then there, one is building a bridge within your own belief system and saying like, hey, maybe the way that we're engaging in our tactics or conversation is actually problematic. That's hard to that's hard to recognize is our own polarizing tendencies, and that's you know if I could sum up the film in one sort of theme, that would be it is that we're all part of this problem, Um, but that's good news in that we can also be part of the solution.
0: And and as I described to you earlier, I come from a political background, um, you know, involved in politics, deeply involved in politics, running upstream in in where I was working uh, for many years in terms of particular political perspective. And I live with a father. Um, my dad is completely the opposite of me. Uh, his information stream is very, very different than I get. And so what I like to say is that there's a lot of truth in on both ends of the spectrum that and in that there there's a lot of things that it's it's just a matter, oftentimes it's just a matter of naming these issues in a way that's that is common there's a we we speak different languages on on both sides of the or the opposite ends of the spectrum but we're not that far removed from what we're concerned about you know family issues uh, wealth issues there are there are a lot of things as you say and it says in the movie there are a lot of things that we have in common we just i think we just speak very different languages at this point I'm so glad people are making the effort. And it's so glad, again, with the people like David and Aaron Leverton, who, uh, who was a Republican consultant who went out around the country and came back with a very different perspective on, on our country. And for you, Susan, as you travel the country, what are you finding? What are the things that, what are the main, when you walk into a room full of people who um, don't know you and don't know what you're going to say, what are the things that you're hearing?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm hearing a lot of confusion and a lot of hurt from people. They want to reach out, but they feel very attacked by the other side. No matter which side they start from, they feel very attacked from the other side. And I hear a lot of anger at the way things have played out, particularly in the in the last couple of months. And as my friend, Dr. Nicole Price says, we got a lot of work to do.
0: <laughs> when you say in the last couple of months, are you speaking about the election? Is that what you're you're hearing, a sort of resentment over what happened in the election? Well, than-
1: actually, after the, the insurrection, um, that really threw people for a loop who weren't looking for it. And so that, again, started up bigger divides between groups. I still say there needs to be some accountability, but I'm not going to throw every single Republican under the bus. And I'm not willing to jump on the bandwagon of let's just execute everybody. I mean, we, we still have to have a voice of, of reason, particularly in the face of unreasonable behavior. I often go back to uh, working in the classroom where, you know, if the, if the kids go crazy, the teacher has to maintain some sense of control. We as adults have to maintain some sense of control of ourselves as we hope to instill control in other people or inspire control in other people.
0: I will say that, you know, it it keeps coming up in the film and especially with David and Aaron. And it's hard not to, to really think about sort of the origin story for why we're so divided. And I keep coming back to one word and it's race. It seems to be the, the thread through uh, the political spectrum, perception of race, our tre- the the lack of acknowledgement that race is a problem in this country, that race has had an impact on our on our country and continues to have an impact on our country. I look at Donald Trump. I'm going to get a little political here. And when I look at Donald Trump from the very beginning of his campaign, he's he the first thing almost out of his mouth had to do with race in this country. And it is the it is kind of the the Rosetta Stone for so much of why we argue so vehemently about what we believe in, and it I just have such a difficult time. And I and I I think back, I I, I just think that's his brand, his race, and 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 sort of his the way that he he manipulated that issue. Ben, talk me down.
2: Well, you said something earlier that kind of made a distinction that was helpful for me, which is, it's possible to hold views of a political leader that you find abhorrent without painting all of his supporters with the same brush. Exactly. And that bit, that's that been the distinction that's really helped me a lot. And the idea that, yes, there were people that probably held strongly racist views that voted for him, but there's a lot of people that are at different legs of their own journey of understanding this racial awakening that are probably where i was like 10 or 15 years ago that don't that didn't understand the depth of the problems that we face and it's because of the lack of exposure to friends that are you know people of color or this personal experience and so i agree with you uh the two great sins of that this country were founded on was genocide and slavery and we've never had a reconciliation about either one and it's and what would that even look like now that, you know, how do we even do that? And it's, it's almost got to be like a personal reckoning, which is happening, you know, especially last summer, we saw it really scale to a level that we hadn't seen on the forefront since the sixties. And so I do think that we're making massive strides in the right direction. And for me, what I hope the film can do is discuss issues of race in a way that's more patient and compassionate, because Again, the more that we shout at people and say, you know, you're racist for not understanding that racism exists, the harder it is to to invite people into that conversation and, and hold their hand through it and, and kind of say, this is actually something I had to learn too, you know? And And the other thing about the film that we hope comes out of it is that it's not the responsibility of people of color to educate us on the injustices that are there like we have to talk amongst ourselves you know we as i as a half white person and half you know uh, son of an immigrant can relate because again like it just wasn't part of my experience growing up like i wasn't exposed to different communities and so i agree with what you're saying i guess my only uh, hope with this is that there's the way to have the conversation is uh, a little bit more patiently. And um, there's a lot of threat that the white community is experiencing right now. This sort of white rage and white lash, whatever we want to call it, is because, you know, the social order is being upended That and they feel there's a sense of loss, but they're not being allowed to grieve for that loss. Instead, they're being shamed, being like, you should feel terrible about this the whole time. And so, you know, on the one hand, you know, taking what they feel is, you know, has been theirs, and and saying you should feel terrible about it. So I, yeah. I guess, yeah. My hope is how do we how do we provide that space? For, I don't know, Susan. What do you what do you think?
1: Well, I've been fortunate to to have two very strong mentors. Uh, actually, a number of strong Black women mentors who have been willing to take the emotional time to include me and several others in uh, anti racism education. If you are so fortunate to find such individuals, by all means, follow them, learn from them, but also be respectful of the fact that you are causing them um, pain to have to discuss it and that you are causing them injury to have to discuss it. And um, you owe them reparations for taking the time and energy to do so. But there is a journey of education. There are so many book lists out there that are available to educate yourself, but you really do need to learn under strong Black leadership because we grow up in a white-centered society, and so uh, we fall back to that. It's the very air that we breathe. And as the Levertons will tell you in the film, they had no idea that there were other ways of living. I was vaguely aware um, but definitely have gone on a long journey. And I look at the film now and I go, gee, I would have done that differently. I would have handled that differently. I would have followed through with them. I would have empathized more. I, there's one scene in Cleveland where there are women who are pouring their heart out to me. And I just nod and smile because I really don't have a clue how to react or what to do with the information they're giving me. And I barely have an understanding of that now. We we just have such different worlds. Yeah. Um, we have no idea, but we we have to step out of ourselves if we ever hope to get past that.
0: Well, I think one of the things that we're dealing with now is we're in the thrall of a a transcendent political figure in the in the form of Donald Trump. I think that right now, you know, there's a good chunk of the country that believes that he is some sort of he. It's a cult. I mean I'm sorry I hate to say that I really don't but they look at him as being infallible let's put it that way we're going to get past this part of it and there has to be this as you're talking about some kind of reckoning uh, my my thought is we need some kind of a we need to acknowledge we don't acknowledge things if we went if we could get the country to agree that in 1619 People were brought to our shores before it was America to be enslaved in, in free labor. To If we can just say this happened, we still refuse to even acknowledge that it happened. 150 years before we even decided to declare our, our independence from Britain, there were for 150 years people who were working as slavers in our country. The reason for Wall Street, much of it has to do with the fact we needed to deal with money coming into this country for slavery. We don't acknowledge things in this country. And I think that that's the first step, is we need to acknowledge it happened. We don't do that. It is not common knowledge that for 150 years before we, before we were declared independence from Britain, there were slaves in this country, that's what we'd, we, it was in, it's embedded in, in the very fabric of our country. And I think that until we do that, and this is part of the film, while I was watching this film, you can't help but start interacting with this film. This is one of the things I think the strength of this film is, as you're seeing these people's stories unfold, you're reacting in ways that you're imagining your dialogue with those people in the film. And I think that's a great strength, but we as a country refuse to acknowledge some very basic facts until we do we're we're going to be here.
1: I've often said as an educator that we can start with telling the truth in schools. And I heard a man um, who was a far right um, person say he did not want his son to hear that because he wanted his son to still be proud of his country. And I had an aha moment then. Okay, if that's what his fear is, yeah. Then let's address the fact that we can be proud of our country, and still understand that we did things wrong. Um, yeah. We did, you know. But until I heard his point of view, I had no concept that was his fear. I had to hear that point of view. In the listening, you don't know what you're going to hear. And you may not be able to take it all in, you may not be able to accept it, but you have to do the listening in order to even get those points of view.
2: Right,
0: absolutely. You know, Mike- Go
2: ahead. What you're saying, I've I've been wrestling with a lot, like, um, you know, as someone who's spent a lot of time, a couple of years on this film of of trying to uh, hear the other side and, you know, um, we're getting attacked from the left and the right, Right now, you know, in in the critics and on Twitter, and you know, as Susan famously told me once, if you're agitating both the left and the right, you must be doing something right. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, when you even talk about unity right now, that that just is upsets people because you know how how can we even talk about that until we have accountability? How can you even have accountability until you have acknowledgement? How can you have acknowledgement until you agree on the facts? And I agree. I think in an ideal world, we need to be aligning on the truth and the facts. I'm also accepting that that's just not the world we live in right now. And so how do we attack this problem in another way? Because if we grind in and say we can't talk until we can agree on the rules, we're not even going to talk. And this isn't going to end well. There's, There's two paths that we go down from here. One is this, you know, escalates and how can it get even worse? There'll be more acts of political violence, more families ripped apart. I was on a a call last night with a woman who was crying and saying like, I don't talk to any of my family anymore. They've all cut me off because of politics and I'm all alone in my house during this pandemic and I'm scared. And I really felt for her because there's millions of people that are like that. This is deeply personal for all of us. And so I would just say, we do need acknowledgement, we do need to find some agreement. That may take a while. And that may not, that's not going to happen anytime soon. And so what can we do in our own lives to repair those relationships that slowly move us towards that, that turn us around from this heading towards the cliff? And we can only do that through our own friendships, through our own co-workers, our own relationships. And we, we only do that by being curious and inviting them into the conversation, and not shaming them, and not mm-hmm. saying like, "How can you support this guy? What's wrong with you?" Like, exactly. if someone said that to me, I would be like, "Go, go screw yourself! I don't want to talk to you." Right. And so, I guess it's just like for us, it's like one conversation at a time. How do we lower the temperature? What can you do where you are with what you have? And that's what this film is about. It's not saying we're trying to like legitimize, you know, what some horrible things that have happened. Like, not mm-hmm. at all. It's just saying that we all have a choice in this and we can be part of the problem or part of the solution.
0: Well, and there's some fatigue in this kind of constant bickering. I think people are tired of doing it. Um, And I do think, yes, you're absolutely right about, you know, we have to talk to one another. My dad thinks that Donald Trump is the greatest president of his lifetime. He's 90 years old. He lived through World War II. He thinks this, the president... Trump was the greatest president. What I say back to him is that you and I can disagree. I mean, you and I can disagree about trade policy, you know, housing issues, all kinds of issues. But for the love of God, let's acknowledge that this is let that. Why are you putting all of your all of this into into this one person? So I, I think we have to get people off this guy. And and I mean, our look. We go back to the '60s. We we had national guards shooting s- student protesters. We were on the verge of a massive civil up- uprising in just 40 or 50 years ago. We have been through this before. I just think what's different now is this particular moment is that there is a there is this political figure who, by millions and millions of people, is considered to be infallible. And I think it's very well,
2: different. Go ahead, Susan. Do you want to jump in?
1: I- yeah, I was just going to say one major difference is our news. Um, yeah. There yes. used to be uh,
0: three networks. Oh, gosh.
1: Well, and there used to be the clause about telling the truth or some. I can't remember how that it was goes. Some, some, but it anyway, was something
0: called the Fairness Doctrine. And we yes, got. Rid of thank the you. Fairness. Yes. That was that's huge. What you what Yes. And
1: talking. that made a huge impact on the news. My dad said to me, well, I voted for the guy. But if I had known beforehand, he was like this, I wouldn't have. And I said, Daddy, oh, my gosh. And then out of respect for my dad, I just thought, you know, he's elderly. Don't beat him up over it. But I just thought, how could you not know differently? And then I realized he's not watching the same news I'm watching. And you said that about your dad as well. Yeah. The fact that we are able to have the no longer have the fairness doctrine. I don't know. I don't know why we got rid of it. I don't know enough about it.
0: Yeah. The Reagan era that, that led to that. They got rid of it during Ronald Reagan's administration, but yeah, you're, this is it. I mean, this is the only thing, but I just want to say once again, I don't care if you're being, you know, Ben, screw these people left, right. If people are attacking you, you're asking questions. You're, this is all you're saying. I want a way forward. We all want a way forward. I want to be able to talk to my dad and not worry about whether or not he's going to pop a vein because I said something or feel like he can't say something to me. And this this is ridiculous. We can't have a democracy if we can't talk to one another. And
2: yeah, just on that point, that we we've launched a website in conjunction with the film for exactly that to provide yeah. people the tools of how to talk to family and friends. It's called reunitedstates.tv. We just launched it and it's it's, made in conjunction with the Braver Angels. And so it's it's really exciting because people, you know, a lot of things we're saying and doing, trying to change someone's mind is actually part of the problem. Like we shouldn't go in trying to change someone's mind. We should try and understand where they're coming from. And it's really, with family, it's much harder because we have a history and there's long complicated relationships and other emotions tied up in it, and so yeah. I, I think we're not alone in this, Um, but I do agree, agree with you like if we dig in our heels and say they're the problem like there's we're not offering solutions like this, this doesn't end well unless we take ownership over it for ourselves and so Maybe. for us, I don't mind the critics, you know I it, I, I turn it around and say, like, what are you trying to do to save our country? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you. It, a reunitedstates.tv. There's a play, it's about the film. There's a trailer there. Take the pledge. There are other things that you can do. And you can join in with people like Aaron and David and Susan and some of the other people who are in the film. And that is find a way forward. We've lost way too much time bickering amongst ourselves. There are so many issues that have to be addressed now. And we've got to start addressing them. Thank you, Susan Bro, for for the work that you continue to do. Thank you for stepping up, and what had to have been a horrific episode and time in your life, and you 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 step forward. And I, I thank you so very much for what you're doing. Thank you. It's either a
1: choice to step forward or stay there, and I have to step forward.
0: Well. Thank you. And Ben Recchi, thank you so much for the film, The Reunited States, and uh, to, to your future work. I hope you'll come back and join us again.
2: Thanks, Mike. And keep hope alive. I hope uh, hope you and your dad have find a way through this together.
0: Me too. Me too. Well, thank you so very much. We will. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys.